Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today's Issues here on the American Family Radio Network for December the 14th. We thank you for listening to AFR each and every day. Fred Jackson joins me. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Tim. Chris Woodward. Good morning. And Ray Pritchard. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Good, Ray. How are you today, sir? Oh, it's a gorgeous day here in Kansas City. We have 54 degrees heading up to 63. And, you know, it feels like it ought to be colder than this in the middle of December. But, hey, this is good weather. You'll take it, right? Yes, sir. We will definitely take it. Take it for your, uh, so you're, you're hitting the bike trail this afternoon, I guess. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I'm going to going to go right about 14 15 miles does it you take know. you half an hour how long oh about an hour to really you know to to get ready you gotta you gotta get ready get dressed go come back about an hour and a half the whole you know the whole deal and do you leave from your house or do you drive with your with your bike in the back i do both i have a I have a route that i do that's a little bit shorter when i don't have time to go out to the trail but today it's a good day i think to good day to hit the trail Hey Ray, you are, you're offering something, and maybe you're a little late getting in on it, but uh, for Christmas uh, through your ministry, talk about that. We are in the middle of an Advent series called Advent Alphabet. We started on December the first, going through the letters of the alphabet A B C D E, so on, and each day doing a devotional based on that particular letter. A is for angels, B for Bethlehem, D for dwelt. E for East, they saw a star in the East, H for Hope, and so on. Yesterday was M for Manger. Uh, today was N for Night. They married Joseph and Jesus in the middle of the night, had to head out to Egypt because Herod was wanting to kill the baby boy, the Son of God. So if folks are looking for an Advent devotional series, there's a free ebook. It, it, it's uh, contains all the devotions, all the prayers, all the YouTube links to the music videos. Go to keepbelieving.com, keepbelieving.com. Click on books. You'll see it, Advent Alphabet. And I'm doing a a daily video devotional every morning at 8 o'clock in the morning Central Time. So download the ebook and join us on YouTube or Facebook, and you can go with us I mean, we're, Tim, we're about halfway through. Today is N, tomorrow is the letter O and P and so on. Join us at keepbelieving.com for Advent Alphabet. So you're doing that uh, a live video feed each morning? Yes, and but but we archive it because, you know, most people yeah. but if can't the dog, watch it. But if, the, but if your dog barks, you hear it, <laughs> right? Yes, and we've got a dog with a loud bark, and I try to keep her upstairs when I come down here to do the video. Uh, I'm just curious. I know you're not going to tip tip us off here. What X is going to be? Okay, it's a Greek letter. I'll uh, I'll just say that. Okay, it's a Greek letter. All right. Yeah. All right. You, well, that's that's all I will say. Okay, and, that's a Greek letter. Yeah. Uh, and Z. I'd be curious what you say about <laughs> Z too. X and Z. All right. Uh, thank you. Go to keepbelieving.com, folks, to get what Ray's just talking about right there. If you want to join us on. Uh, the internet right now, we're live video feed, feed, we're video streaming, I should say, this show. 
at Facebook and YouTube. Just type in Today's Issues, Today's Issues at Facebook and YouTube. In approximately five or six minutes, we'll be talking to Steve Tiber Mm -hmm. from Eight Days of Hope. They are on the ground in Kentucky uh, helping people uh, in the aftermath of the the deadly tornado, uh, tornado tornadoes that Mm -hmm. uh, hit last Friday evening. Also, at the bottom of the hour, Norm Miller, who's the chairman of Interstate Batteries, and he's the voice you hear on Heaven or Not, that little 30-second spot that uh, you hear each day here on American Family Radio. He will be with us coming up at the bottom of the hour. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Chris, what's happening? Well, one, you know, a lot of people do need uh, relief, specifically in Mayfield, Kentucky, other parts of Kentucky. They seem to really have uh, taken a lot of the damage, although there was a significant amount of damage in states, including Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee, Illinois, and Missouri. Mississippi? Mississippi had some damage uh, north of us. Uh, nothing on the level of what we have seen uh, on the television, uh, but we did have some damage north of us uh, going towards the uh, Tennessee state line. Illinois also, I think. Illinois, yes. Uh, you know, and for us, it's not uh, an abnormal time of year for December for tornadoes, similar with um, Illinois, but generally this time of year, you do have uh, a lot more colder weather up there. Uh, but a lot of people did have damage. A lot of people have lost loved ones. I do want to play a little bit of sound here, and I think we can use this to segue in with our uh, guest. Uh, one of the people, despite all that's happened, that remains happy and hopeful is uh, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron. He joined Fox and Friends earlier today to talk about the damage and the days ahead. Clip two. It's heartbreaking uh, to see so many lives lost and to see homes ruined. Uh, I know I've had some folks on our team who have had uh, either family members or loved ones who have have lost uh, homes or or other things as well. So it it is a a challenge, but, uh, you know, God is sovereign. And ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, he's going to help us get through this. Uh, I know there are folks praying all across this country for us. Who was that? That was Attorney General Daniel Cameron of Kentucky. Yeah. Fred? Yeah, I know. And the story continues to unfold. I was listening to a uh, member of Congress from the uh, Mayfield area yesterday. He was on with Tony Perkins on Watch, uh, Washington Watch. And, and it's Mayfield, uh, deservedly so, is getting a lot of attention. But he said there's like 10 or 12 communities that were apparently just wiped out. I mean, so this thing was so wide, this tornado that hit, it was miles wide. That's Mm -hmm. what we're talking about here. And uh, the level of damage, uh, I talked to a friend in Paducah, Kentucky yesterday, and uh, Kentuckians are coming together very quickly. His church uh, is very much involved, and they're collecting furniture and all that sort of thing. So the recovery... Uh, is going to be driven, I, I think, mostly by a lot of people, residents who are coming to the rescue. Of course, federal government, groups like Eight Days of Hope we're going to be talking mm-hmm. with. But also, uh, there was loss of life in other states, too. And there's a very moving story on, on the Fox today. A little nine-year-old girl, and they took a picture. They sheltered in place, as we're all told to do in the tornado country. When you get the warnings, shelter in place. And this little girl was uh, in the bathroom, in the tub area, uh, just getting set for this tornado to hit. And unfortunately, this little nine-year-old daughter in this family, uh, she was picked up and taken yards away and lost her life in this. So 
Kentucky certainly got the brunt of this, but other states too. Arkansas, mm-hmm. I think there were a couple of nursing home deaths there. So a lot of folks to remember. <clears throat> and also this member of Congress said, and it's right, this is not going to be repaired in months. This is going to take years. Oh, yeah. Years yeah. to recover from this one. Yeah, I'm saying two to four years probably easily, uh, you know, to to rebuild. Yes. Uh, Ray, I, I don't know if you uh, saw this, but I found it. The meteorology, if that's what you want to call it, if I pronounce that word correctly, of of that particular tornado. And I'm I, when when I read about this, I'm I'm unclear. It, it sounds like to me it was one tornado that traveled from Arkansas all the way through Kentucky, through much of Kentucky anyway. Two hundred and 20 to 70, I've heard 220, some say 270, 270 miles. Uh, but the uh, I saw a story, Ray, which said debris from this tornado was picked up to 30,000 feet in the air. Yeah, and not only that, we've seen stories, Tim, saying that the debris was picked up to 30,000 feet and deposited, in some cases, 100 and 125, 130 miles away. It's hard to think about this. It's hard to get our minds around this. Uh, you know, earlier, a couple of days beforehand, the, the National Weather Service had, had put out a warning of, of quote, enhanced, enhanced danger of tornadoes and right in the zone where that happened. But, Tim, I do not ever remember seeing a tornado track of one huge tornado that stays on the ground for what, a hundred miles or 125 miles and does this kind of damage. I mean, we're used to seeing, and we have seen terrible destruction, but a tornado come down and go for a mile or two and then go back up or go four or five miles or six miles mm-hmm. and go up. But this is a, this is a once in a lifetime occurrence and the devastation. I mean, like Mayfield, Kentucky, there was a town there called Mayfield, and now it is in ruins, and not just there, but other other cities as well. I can't remember, Tim, ever seeing a tornado event like this. Yeah, with this much damage over this, uh, this coverage, this map coverage, if you will. Uh, I, I agree. I can't remember that either. Um, joining us right now on the phone is our good friend, Steve Tiber from Eight Days of Hope. He's president of that ministry, Eight Days of Hope. If you listen to AFR for any time at all, you're familiar with the work of Eight Days of Hope. They do rebuilding, uh, basically is their primary emphasis, rebuilding in communities that have suffered from natural disasters, including tornadoes. And Steve joins us now. Good morning, Steve. Hey, guys. Good morning. Very well said, listening to um, your introduction. You guys are are right on this. This is a tornado and damage that we have never seen. You have to go back as far as tornado damage, probably to Joplin to have something like we're seeing right now. But thank you for having me this morning. Where are you today? You know, I'm, I'm working my way down south. Uh, I'm, I'm in New York. I was out of town. I've got to go to Louisiana. We're trying to do a rebuild trip in the spring after Hurricane Ida and then right from there to Kentucky. But our leaders have been in, our volunteer leaders have been in um, Kentucky uh, within 24 hours of the storm. All of our equipment's been moved up there and the volunteers are starting to arrive this afternoon. So we're excited to roll up our sleeves and try to be a light in a very dark time to families who should be excited and celebrating that Christmas is around the corner, but 
this has been this has been a tough tough go, especially with the loss of life. You can rebuild homes, but loss of life it's it's just very hard on a community. Steve, let me ask you what did, what is uh, uh, first of all, are you taking volunteers at your website now? We are. We're open. Um, 8daysofhope.com. Read the FAQs, frequently asked questions. You do need to be 18. This is an active disaster site. But when you volunteer with us, we, we don't expect anything in return. You don't have to pay anything. You show up. We have all the tools. Leaders are already there. We have 45 of our 181 volunteer leaders either there already or on their way. And I'll tell you, Tim, we just opened this up last night, and already hundreds of people have signed up to come serve with 8 Days of Hope. Um, we're going to be there for a, a good bit before Christmas, take a couple days off so the leaders can go back home and, and love on their families during Christmas, but then we're going right back, and we'll be there to January 8th. So all the information's at 8daysofhope.com. Steve, you guys are known for rebuilding. Okay, I'm talking about normally sure. weeks sure. or months after a natural disaster. After a natural disaster, you 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 and teams of you organize teams of people to go in and rebuild or remodel, however you want to say it. But sure. then you then you created a couple of years ago a, a rapid response team, which you call a rapid response team, as the ministry grew. So are you saying now those who come now signing up now they're going to be doing what exactly? Yeah, so right now a lot of chainsaw work, cleanup work, a lot of debris removal. Sometimes people forget this, but after a tornado, um, their, their property is destroyed, and they'll spend the families will spend days going through their belongings trying to find pictures and keepsakes and heirlooms and things that they've had for 20 years that might not be totally broken. And sometimes that's what we do as well. And so, you know, God's blessed us. We have about eight bobcats. Tim, and we have bucket trucks that can take trees off of people's homes. You don't have to operate a chainsaw. If you know how to operate one, that's great. But if you've never operated one, we have plenty of things for you to do. Uh, no rebuilding at this point. And again, remember I said I was going to head down to Louisiana for a day first. Uh, we usually come in six to nine months afterwards and start focusing on the rebuilding like we'll do with Hurricane Ida. Uh, but the volunteers are there. Our feeding teams are there. We're making food already. We're just loving and serving the brokenhearted, and there's room for others to join us. And, of course, all that is found on our website at 8daysofhope.com. Steve, it's Fred here. Uh, we've all seen the pictures, uh, especially of Mayfield, but there are other communities that have been wiped out. Very often you partner with churches, and I'm, I'm what I've been told and what's been reported, that even churches destroyed, for the most part, congregations met outside on Sunday morning. So how close are you to the really bad area where you're going to be able to get in, sure. where, where your volunteers are going to be able to stay, that sort of thing? Yeah. You know, when we started after Katrina, you couldn't get to Bay St. Louis and Wavell. You had to stay 40 minutes away. We stayed in Picayune. Same thing here. I mean, everything in, I mean, our, our volunteers have FaceTimed me and sent videos. I'll be there in the next couple of days. Uh, this is mass destruction, like a bomb went off. And so to your point, Fred, there are no churches that are open if they are doing services outdoors. So we've set up in Hardin, H-A-R-D-I-N, Hardin, Kentucky. Some of our missionaries and our leaders are based out of there, and it's, an, it's a beautiful church, a, a very large church. Uh, it's about five to ten minutes from the start of the damage, but you're only 20 minutes to Mayfield. But there's so much uh, everywhere. I mean, you can go to Bowling Green, you can go to Arkansas, Tennessee, you don't have to travel far to find damage. So there's plenty 
of work to do, um, plenty of ways for us to serve. But we'll be in Hardin, and uh, you know, we'll be partnering with churches. We always work with the local church. It's so important when we do what we do that we work with the local church, because at some point we're going to leave, and we want these families to, to see Jesus, to meet Jesus, to be loved on, to be poured into, not just during the disaster recovery, but down the road as well. So we're excited to be partnering with some of the local churches in Mayfield as well. All right, Steve, thanks so much for being on with us. Uh, God bless you and all the folks at Eight Days of Hope uh, and uh, safe travels, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. And, Tim, thank you so much. I always say this, but, man, we really mean it. You know, 85% of our volunteers that signed up to go to Mayfield with us the next four weeks um, learned about ADs Hope on American Family Radio. So we're so appreciative of the partnership, the relationship. God bless you guys, and thanks for having me on today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Okay, take care, Steve. Take care. Steve Tiber joining us. Uh, uh, Eight Days of Hope, they have offices in uh, Buffalo, New York, and uh, their headquarters here in Tupelo, mm-hmm. Mississippi. And, but of course, they do national ministry. And so he, you heard Steve talk, uh, Ray, there about a lot of their equipment uh, going up from Tupelo up to Mayfield and already there now, Mayfield area. You know, the thing I, I like about it, which is everything, obviously, but the thing I like most is you don't have to be a plumber. You don't have to be an electrician. You don't have to be a gifted, skilled carpenter. If you've got two hands, if you've got a strong back, and if you're willing to work, and if you want to love on people, right? Mm-hmm. You just want to love on hurting people because – as he said, it's he he, used, he said it's like a bomb went off. It's hard even to, you know. We've all seen those drone videos, right? Which something we didn't have a few years ago. But these drone videos give you such a, a it's a startling view of the damage. And so, folks, if you're interested, maybe mm-hmm. you can't go this week or you can't go next week, right? But th- this is going to be a long term process. So we encourage. Any of our listeners who can, if you can spend a week, spare a week, come to Kentucky and help out with Eight Days of Hope, tremendous, tremendous ministry. You know, one of the things that's needed right now, we don't often hear this, is uh, as we're talking, uh, normally people will try to take shelter in churches because their homes have been destroyed. But the churches, as Steve was pointing out, in Mayfield in particular, they were destroyed also. One of the big things they're facing right immediately, they have freezing overnight temperatures. There, there aren't places for these people to go. Um, so I'm not sure if there's churches nearby with send blankets or whatever the case. This is, this is kind of basic stuff that they need right now. They need mm-hmm. water. They need blankets just to make it through the next several days and several nights. Mm-hmm. This is what the kind of damage we're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, I, I can't remember... Uh, he mentioned Joplin, Missouri. Steve did right, which had similar type destruction over a mm-hmm. broad swath of area. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tornadoes. I'm not a meteorologist again, but most tornadoes bounce up and down, uh, and and don't stay on the ground a long, you know, a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, now, I remember a few years ago there was a tornado that hit. Uh, in Smithville, mm-hmm. Mississippi, which is about 25 miles from us. Right. And it's the same day it hit in Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. Alabama, if you remember. I just looked that up, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that day vividly because that was, uh, well, there were other tornadoes mm-hmm. uh, uh, hit that day. Mm-hmm. As I say, you know, this is basic weather 
uh, science. You have the moist air from the Gulf um, collides with a cold front coming in, you know, from the west, and they meet mm-hmm. in the heartland, uh, you know, of America and in the, and in the south, and then also in into the uh, Missouri Valley of the Midwest. So that's you could draw a circle of about a thousand miles, and that's where probably ninety percent of the tornadoes hit in our country. Yeah. What were you going to say, Chris? Yeah, I was just um, uh, the Smithville one. Um, it, I mean, it decimated that town. Smithville's not very big. I, I went to school there for a number of years. Uh, I know we actually have uh, people from Smithville that listen to us, um, and uh, it's it it, it, um, it really destroyed a lot of uh, homes. The school there. Um, I, I know a lot of the people impacted. And so I, I've thought a lot about those folks and the situations that they endured for weeks, really, uh, after that tornado. And it, it made me kind of think of, um, you know, what the people in Mayfield or yeah. in other places are having to deal with. You know, Ray, you you grew up in uh, Alabama, uh, and I grew up, and Chris grew up in Mississippi, Fred uh, in Nova Scotia. But uh, for those who lived in tornado country, if that's what you want to call it, you you don't have to look at the Weather Channel to know what's what's going to happen, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. you if you get November, December, and it's seventy degrees, yes, right, right, uh, and the, the that more- cold weather is going to come. The cold front is going to come down from the north, and mm-hmm. it's exactly what you said, Tim. The cold weather from the north hits that moist air from the Gulf, and right there at the collision point, you're going to have thunderstorms, terrible weather, and you're often going to have an outbreak of tornadoes. And so the the National Weather Service, I mean, this is a time when they called it accurately, just made much worse because it happened at night, right? Right, so, that's true. That's it, true. Even though you have Doppler radar and you have warning systems, uh, you know, the fact that you can't see, right? Uh, you can't see what's coming at you, it, it, what I'm talking about in that moment or two or three minutes where you can, uh, you know, where you can, uh, make the move right. to protect yourself. And some of these places looking at, uh, it just looks like there was no, probably nowhere good to hide. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got a metal building. Mm-hmm. I was, you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm just saying, the, they, uh, and they, quite they frankly, blew up. they blew up when the, yeah, when the tornado hit. Yeah. Quite frankly, uh, there, there's, there's, very little place to hide when your building just implodes. Right. I mean, I saw brick city halls just gone. Yeah. Uh, and if that's gone, yeah, you know, middle building's not going to make it. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're listening to today's issues on American Family Radio. If you want to send us an email, go to comments at afr.net. Comments at afr.net. If you want to go and help in the uh, effort there in uh, Kentucky uh, with Eight Days of Hope, just go to eightdaysofhope.com. I tell you what, uh, can we take our break uh, about a minute or two early here? And when we come back, uh, we're going to visit with uh, a gentleman by the name of Norm Miller. He's the chairman of Interstate Batteries. You've probably heard of those. And uh, we're, we're going to talk to him about a lot of stuff when we get back from this time out. So stay with us.
Bishop E.W. Jackson. What needs to be told to these black men is get a job, stop fathering children that you can't take care of, stop hanging out in the streets, and stop acting like the cops are your enemy anytime you interact with them, particularly when you're interacting with them in a situation where you know they've come expecting potential trouble because of the circumstances you've allowed yourself to be in. How about trying that? Weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Every American ought to visit George Washington's Mount Vernon estate south of Washington, D.C. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. We're going to be going to Mount Vernon on one of our spiritual heritage tours coming up in June and September. Wanted to let you know about these tours already because they will fill up quick. So, for all the information, go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. We're going to be going to Yorktown, Jamestown, and Williamsburg as well on a separate trip. So, so much rich American history there to be experienced. Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation is a nationally noted historian, and he's going to be with us along the way. SpiritualHeritageTours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. The CDC is turning into a government spy agency. The Epoch Times reports the CDC is expanding surveillance at four major airports, including JFK, San Francisco, Atlanta, and Newark, New Jersey, all part of their effort to crack down on the China virus. The CDC is working with airlines to acquire personal information on passengers should the need for contact tracing arise. It's all rather dubious. On Tuesday, some 80 House Republicans joined Democrats to create a national vaccine database. It's called the Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act. And if signed into law, it would allow public and private health care providers the right to share your personal health information. I've listed the names and email addresses of every Republican who voted for this nonsense on my website. Now, whether or not you have a broken arm or the sniffles, it is absolutely no business of the CDC or President Biden. I'm Todd Starnes. When you die, are you going to heaven or not? You can know for sure. Heaven or not.net. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the program Today's Issues on American 
Family Radio. If you want to watch the show on the internet, go to Facebook or YouTube and just type in Today's Issues. Chris Woodward, Fred Jackson, Ray Pritchard, Tim Wildman. Uh, with you today, and we thank you for listening, as always, to American Family Radio. I was in Dallas, uh, Texas. Is there any other Dallas, really? <laughs> I was in Dallas uh, a couple weeks back, and uh, I had a, uh, a meeting uh, and uh, for iVoter Guide, which you hear about it here all on American Family Radio a lot, especially during uh, when we have uh, political campaigns and election season. But had opportunity to meet uh, Norm Miller, chairman of Interstate Batteries, and uh, also the voice there you heard. We play it every day, several times a day, heaven or not. And uh, uh, Norm uh, is on the phone with us uh, right now. Good morning, brother. Hey, good morning. Uh, we know that voice yes. from heaven or not. Are you are you a professional radio guy? Uh, well, I'm a radio guy and I'm a professional, but they don't match. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Norma, before we do, uh, before we get into the heaven or not, I want to ask you what, what, what kind of you know if you've received any uh, reaction and uh, and people uh, you know reacting to that spot. But I want because I know your your heart's desire there is to witness for Christ uh, on the radio. But I want to ask you first of all, many. Many of our listeners, probably most of our listeners, are familiar with your company, Interstate Batteries. Tell our tell our folks a little bit of your background there. Well, within, you mean with Interstate? Yes. Uh huh. How you how you how yeah. you started in that in that business? And yeah, I was real fortunate. My dad had a service station garage for twenty years, and so he sold batteries. And he heard about the he sold his business, and he heard about the uh, proposition of interstate as a distributor and so he uh, came up to dallas and met and uh, met with the interstate the founder was john searcy and uh, met with john and then he called me and asked me if i I was just barely out of college and and working and he called me and asked me if i'd come up and uh, so we came up met we took a distributorship uh, in 1962 and went to memphis and uh, so i started driving a battery truck in the mississippi delta in uh in 1962 and uh did that for three years and then mr searcy talked to my dad and offered me a job to come to for the national company and so i came over here in uh here being dallas in uh, 1965 and then worked my way through the whole program and we were growing and all in 1978 uh john searcy he did retired and i became president so i began running the company in 1978 and since then, we've had uh, three uh, additional presidents, and uh, I, I went more. I went more into ministry stuff and chairman of the board in the, in nineteen ninety. I want to ask you. So you drove uh, a battery truck out of Memphis. That's not too far from here, from where we are in Tupelo, in the Mississippi Delta. How long did you do that, and what age were you? Yeah, I was 24, but I got to tell you something about Tupelo. What's real funny, I'm pretty sure it was the first winter. If you go check the the weather uh, in December of 1962, I remember hearing on the radio right around Christmas, before Christmas, it was, and it was too below in Tupelo. 
<laughs> yeah, I've never forgot. I've never forgotten that because I heard it on the radio, and uh, in Memphis, really, it went like you know, right down to zero, and right. the airport was closed. People couldn't go, you know, to a home for Christmas, and it was crazy. Yeah, that's funny. Tupelo and Tupelo and Tupelo. I know a lot of people ask me where do you live, and I say uh, Tupelo, and they say where is that, and I say right, it's right below one below. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, that's right, right. You, get, you get one laugh out of that. You, st- you tell it a second time, nobody. nobody yeah, nobody. yeah. Hey, Norm, uh, talk about we hear the heaven or not spot uh, that we play here on American Family Radio. How did that come about? And uh, talk about the response you've got to that. Well, you know what's interesting. I was thinking uh, I was really crazy because one night I was getting ready to go to bed and I just grabbed a book and I looked at a chapter and I read it. And it was, I can't, I'm really embarrassed. I can't remember his name, but the president of Dallas Theological Seminary wrote this book. And he was writing about the fact that the body of Christ, the church attenders, they don't really know apologetics. And so they don't share the gospel like they could because they're afraid that they're going to get asked questions they can't answer. And so they just go along. And uh, so I read that, and I thought, well, that was interesting. He said, you know, something needs to be done about it. And I understand something. He was president, you know, 75 years ago or whatever it was. And then a uh, similar time, I go ahead and I do the same thing. I pick up a book, and it's by Chuck Colson. And here it is, you know, later, more, you know, 10 years ago or something, 15, and he writes a chapter, and it's on exactly the same thing. The fact that the body of Christ has, they don't know the apologetics. So they can't, they're not taught them in church primarily, and then they... So they're afraid to share their gospel, or they can't ask your questions properly. And so I thought, that government, somebody needs to tell them. And so it, that went on for like a couple of months, and I finally thought, well, I've got to do this. So we put together the program of, you know, heavenornot.net, and I was thinking for sure evangelism, but I was thinking primarily the beginning was to, uh, you know, lift up Christ and, and give apologetics. And get people to understand. Well, anyway, what happened? This thing has t- taken off. It's been a little over a year now, and we've had uh, we've had a hundred. Let me look. I, I edited it up so I can write it down here. We've had a hundred and sixty-five thousand people that uh, pray to re- have prayed to receive Christ. Have said they have prayed to receive Christ, and that includes the. W- there's two websites. One is heavenornot.net. And then the other one is heavenornot.godlife.com. Mm. Heavenornot.godlife.com. And that's from the uh, from an internet, because we've done the word search. We've done word search with heaven through the ministry of uh, Global Media Outreach, GMO, Global Media Outreach. They have the website for the God Life part that takes in the internet. And so between the two, We've had, uh, while I was waiting to do the call, I added it up and I've written it down. Anyway, right at 170,000 people have made said they have made professions of faith. Wow, that you know of for sure. I mean. Yeah, they, that's the yeah. people that, you know, they, they get asked yeah. the question, you know, did you pray to receive Christ, to forgive you of your sins, <clears throat> ask him to come into your heart, forgive you and make you forever a child of God. Hey, and that's uh, what they've they've done. Brent, uh, I'm asking Brent Creeley, our producer, can you pull up that spot where we can play it? Okay, folks, uh, you've heard this. Many of you, if you listen to AFR, you've heard you hear this during the day. The spot that uh, that Norm's talking about there, we're talking to Norm Miller, 
from Dallas, chairman of Interstate Batteries, the spot that uh, he's talking about that has uh, received 175,000 confirmations that people have given their life to Jesus Christ. It's a very simple spot uh, that we play. Uh, Let's hear this. When you die, are you going to heaven or not? You can know for sure. Heaven or not. Dot net. What, what is it? Ten seconds, uh, Norm. Fifteen. Fifteen seconds. How many takes did it take you? Uh, How many times did you have to read that? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that. You know, it. I would say just one. Oh, that's what know. I thought. You probably did no, that. No, no, it probably... took me a few times. Yeah, took me yeah. a few times. Well, it's very. Powerful and to the point, and that's powerful and to the point. I don't know how else to describe it, Fred. It's really yeah. a that's a amazing, sim- you know, simple uh, witness there. You you hear uh, a lot of you know pastors and others who say you know it's our job as as children of, of Christ to go out and share the gospel, and a lot of people say, well, how do I do that? Well, you do it in fifteen seconds, there, sir. Uh, you share mm-hmm. the gospel. And uh, direct people to the point. And obviously, what's the number? 170-some thousand? And this is just in the last year, year and a half or so. Is that correct? Yeah, we started uh, October a year ago. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing to me was, see, because we had to pick somebody to uh, minister people when they contacted them. Hmm. And so they came to the website. Well, we had two websites. Well, one of them was for the Internet. And the Internet... The response is the top five countries because it went, you know, international. I mean, it went international, mm-hmm. and the five top countries was Bangladesh, India, Nigeria, Pakistan, and Uganda. See, that's that's so, amazing because I'm hearing this more and more that the the greatest yeah. revival going on on the planet right now are from countries that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just was amazing to me, and that the the, uh, the number. That the people that they uh, are searching for the word heaven, mm. and then they end up at heaven or not godlife dot net. I mean dot com, and seven uh, percent of those that go looking uh, make a decision to pray to receive Christ. Amen. Uh, Amen. Folks, you can go to yeah. he- heaven or not dot net. Heaven or not dot net. I'm looking at it right now. It's just a very uh, straightforward. Uh, explanation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how people can get saved. And uh, Ray, did you have a question for Norm? Uh, Norm Ray Pritchard here. First of all, congratulations! Yes, sir, yes. Uh, Thank fantastic, you so much. fantastic thing you're doing. And, and I want to, and, and I want to just make a comment, then ask a question because what you have done is you have take you have reminded all of us how simple the gospel message really is. Mm-hmm. And how hungry people are to hear the great good news of the gospel. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you for reminding all of us. There are hungry hearts out there in some, I mean, Bangladesh, my gracious. I mean, the Pakistan, difficult to be a Christian there, but God bless you. Uh, let me ask you a question. It's, it's a little bit of theology, but I, I want to, because I can imagine some of our hearers listen to listen to that little 15-second thing. And they want. They say, "Can you know? Can you really be certain?" So, I want, Norm, I want to ask you: Can a person? Can any of our listeners? I mean, a lot of people say, "I hope I'm going to go to heaven. I, I hope my sins are forgiven. I hope when I die, I'll end up in heaven." Norm, can 
Uh, can anybody absolutely know for sure when they go to bed tonight that if they die in their sleep, they're going to wake up in heaven with the Lord Jesus? What's your answer? Well, you know, when I first got, uh, uh, oh, I want to say accosted, I had a friend that started telling me about Christ. And I said, you know, what are you, where are you getting all this? And he said, the Bible. I said, the Bible, old book, old people, long time ago, got nothing to do with me. And he said, no, it's the word of God given to man exactly as he intended it. And I said, it is. God, you said God. I said, okay, prove it. And so I went through a study. I started, I went through apologetics all the way back to history. There's, whether the Bible has any basis of historical position. And I, and I looked at these uh, scholars and the data, and I went through and asked these different questions. And finally, I got to the part where this has got to be true. There's too much information here. <laughs> so I'm going to say, I said, well, I'm going to, I never, didn't even open the Bible. I just challenged them. So when I decided that this thing had some credibility, I started reading it, and I came into the promises, and so I said, "That's that's me. I, I want I want I want my sins forgiven. I, I want to go to heaven." And so I prayed, and then God confirmed it as time went on. I, I the scripture says, "You know, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you." And I was real fortunate because I hooked up with Search Ministries. They were the ones who were prompting me and, and giving me the information. And I hooked up with Search, and I met with a guy one-on-one, -on -one, an hour a week for two years. And then I met one-on-three. Three of us met with him for three more years. So I had five years of a guy teaching me the Scripture an hour a week. And besides that, I went to a Bible-teaching church that taught the Scriptures in, in church and in Sunday school every Sunday. And I went, and so I added it up one time. I was going to go speak somewhere, and I had more hours in teaching than I did in college. Hmm. And I was an excellent student in college if you went by, you know, hours, because I, I ended up, I went to five years to get a four-year deal. <laughs> I, I thought college was great and fun. But anyway, the thing was, I got taught the scriptures more than I did in sitting in class in college for all those years. And so uh, I, it just confirmed in me that this is the truth of life, and that you know what's really funny. I've been thinking about I've been thinking about fulfillment, and everybody wants to be fulfilled. They may not even think of it that way, but they they just want to they want to be approved. They want to accomplish. They want to do whatever they want. They want to be fulfilled. And the only way to be filled fulfilled in life is to be filled with God's Spirit. And that's by receiving Christ as God has offered him. God offered Christ, and Christ said, I'll do it. And he came and did it. And those that receive him, God puts his spirit in their heart, and they can begin and to live a life of fulfillment, besides the promise of heaven. Amen. Well, we're talking to Norm Miller. The chairman of Interstate Batteries. If you're, if you're looking for a new car battery, I'll just put this plug in. Uh, check out the Interstate Batteries. And uh, and uh, listen, Norm, thanks so much for being on with us uh, today here on American Family Radio. And if you ever get back to uh, our area here in Tupelo, we invite you to come visit us, okay? Well, thank you much. I, I get to Memphis down there, so maybe I can... They can slide over there. Yeah, well, Elvis did. You should be able to. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, one other question. Did you learn to play the blues guitar in all that time in the Delta? 
No, no, I never played the blues. But I will tell you, I was driving down one Saturday morning to the warehouse in Memphis, and I hit a red light, and a guy pulled up beside I was driving the battery truck, and the guy pulled up beside me at the red light, and it was Elvis on his motorcycle. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, really. I really, you know, I gave him my, I waved, gave, I kind of waved, and he waved. An Elvis sighting. That's, when, that's what happened. When, when was this? What year was it? You remember what year that was? That would have been, that, yeah, that would have been sixty-two or three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and okay. see, I had to go. I had to go right by his house. His house was on. Uh, right. I forget the name, but I drove every when I went down to our warehouse. I went down that his street there, and then I huh. turned off, but. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's just it was me and Elvis on our way to work. <laughs> All right, well, listen, th- thank you, Norm. We appreciate it, my friend. God bless you and your work. All right, yeah. Bye-bye. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. Do you know there have been Elvis sightings all over the world? <laughs> well, I believe him, though, don't you? I mean, oh, I has, believe him. Yeah. Oh, sure. I, you asked sure. the year, and, and sure, why not? Hey, I'll tell you a uh, quick story. This is probably, the year was probably 1973, I guess. And we had some, uh, my dad was pastoring here where we live here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's the birthplace of Elvis Presley. And so we, they had some family friends in from out of state and they wanted to go see the birthplace, which, which uh, well, the house is just a little two bedroom shotgun house, but it's, mm-hmm. they have a, they have a memorial, uh, museum there, and everything. anyway, so uh, we went out there. It was I was ten years old. We drove out there in that uh, 1973 Pontiac station wagon. Drove about five miles from where, or less from where our house was, our parsonage. Mm-hmm. And um, for those who remember what a parsonage is, <laughs> so got out there, and the uh, one fella, he was probably about 25 years old who was sitting at the front. He was the guardian, if you want to, okay. of the house, of the little house Elvis was born in. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was, we got out there and started walking up, and he was like, looked like he'd seen a ghost. And uh, he was stuttering and shook up. And it, Well, that's a good pun right All there. Shook up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't even plan that. That's just how creative I am right there. But he said, we said, uh, he said, you're not going to believe this, talking to us and this other family. He said, said what? He said, uh, Elvis was just here. He said, he drove down from Memphis and wanted to see the old home place. Wow. He said, uh, we said, are you sure this wasn't like a impersonator or something like that? I think this was before impersonators were really famous. He said, no, it was, it was Elvis Presley himself. Uh, as I said, that would have been 1973. Of course, he passed in 77. He died in mm-hmm. 77. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, that was it. so we missed we missed our own <laughs> personal Elvis. Elvis sighting by about an hour. <laughs> wow, uh, by about an hour there. Uh, you're <laughs> listening to uh, today's issues. All right, Chris, uh, we're all shook up. Chris, give us some. Uh, uh, okay. I Give us a it. hunk of hunk of something over okay. there. Chris. All right. Can well, do let's do this. Uh, one of the things that I <laughs> – I'll do my best. Uh, one of the things that has a lot of people shook up right now yeah. involves uh, the amount of uh, smash and grabs and looting and whatnot uh, in big cities. And uh, a lot of people are talking about this, including Fox News reporter Peter Ducey, 
He asked Jen Psaki about it yesterday, specifically whether big cities are soft on crime. Clip three. Do you think it's possible that big cities are dealing with these smash and grab robberies right now, an increase in criminal activity because some prosecutors are too soft on crime? Uh, I would say we have seen, I'm not going to attribute the reasoning from here. What I will tell you is we have seen an increase in crime over the course of the pandemic. There are a range of reasons for that. Um, and what we're f our focus is on is what we can do to address it. The president has proposed additional funding in the budget to make sure local police departments and cops have the funding they need. That's what our focus is on currently is action. What good does it do if you're going to give police departments extra money if they arrest bad guys and they bring them to jail and then they're not prosecuted? What our focus is on is making sure that uh, the local uh, leaders have the assistance and the funding they need. And that's what we're working around the clock on. Um. Uh, you know, far be it for me to be sympathetic to Jen Saki. Uh, her name is right. Jen, J-E-N, and then her last name is Saki. Mm -hmm. If people want to know, why do you keep calling her a Japanese name? Okay, it's Jen Saki. That's her name. She's the uh, White House spokesperson. But uh, that's really not her purview. Uh, that's really not the president of the United States purview, in my in my opinion. I respect Peter Ducey. He's a great. He's about the only one that asks tough questions. But that's not a federal government issue per se. That's a got these local uh, liberal whacked out DAs and uh, mayors. Uh, that's where the problem is in New York, L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Louis. I need to go on and on. Uh, Atlanta, I've talked to people who live in the Atlanta area, and they said crime's just out of control. So mm -hmm. it's happening in, the, in your big uh, cities across the country. Uh, by big, I would say a million plus. Uh, it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, those. But anyway, go ahead, Fred. I, I think she knows the truth. I mean, there is truth to the answer to the question that Peter Ducey posed. And here's the truth. She says it's pandemic-related. We've noticed an increase since the pandemic. It has nothing to do with people needing a loaf of bread because of the pandemic. They lost their job. They're stealing $5,000 ladies' purses. They're stealing Rolex watches. Uh, no, these are, these are criminals that know they can get away with it because yes. of liberal, liberal Democrat policies. Exactly. And she knows that. Yeah, she knows, she knows that. that. She, she's not going to admit to that. No. But, uh, well, now, I don't know, though, Ray. Chris is here, too. Chris, to get to you. Uh, I, I agree with you, Fred, uh, on one, one level. She has to know it. On the other level, Ray, these these secular progressive people like her, they live in denial on, on the cause and effects of things sometimes. Uh, well, so look, you know, Ronald Reagan used to talk about the power of the presidency as a bully pulpit. The yeah. president has a great power to influence what happens around the country just by what he says. And Ronald Reagan was extremely effective bring, putting, uh, shifting the public discussion. The White House has done nothing. It has, yeah, you're right, you're right, Tim. It's, it's the Chicago problem is a Chicago problem. I said the same way in Minneapolis, in Portland, to the extent we have it here in Kansas City, doesn't matter, L.A., all those places, these are local problems. But the president could do something. Mm. He could speak out, right? He could condemn these 
uh, these no bail, low bail, free bail kind of situations, the only reason these smash and grab things are happening, like like the, uh, oh, you know, the Lamborghini one right up in Chicago. In Chicago, or the Louis two Vuitton, days ago. Right, the Louis Vuitton store, also in Chicago, the Nordstrom's out there in, in San Francisco. These things are happening. They are, I mean, this is not like two guys who get drunk and think they're going to go, you know, get get the Louis Vuitton bags. No, this is well-planned, well-coordinated. And, Tim, they are doing it because they know they can get away with it. Nobody is going to stop yeah. them. And really, at least so far, nobody has. Well, and and it's, it's, it's a breakdown on two levels uh, in terms of law enforcement and the justice system. I'm not even talking about the moral breakdown and uh, no no dads in the home in a lot of cases where these where these uh, people get involved in gangs and so forth. They don't have a proper home life, but uh, the law law enforcement and the <clears throat> justice system angle of it. Number one is the police have been so uh, demoralized over the last year and a half or two years, so beat up by the media and the race baiters and uh, people like that, Black Lives Matter and so forth, that uh, – now, I don't have any stats to support what I'm saying. I'm just making a general observation here on things I've read, heard, and seen, okay, is that uh, the police – a lot of the police work, especially in these big cities today, are now reactionary. Or, or, mm-hmm. In other words, the police come to the crime scene after the fact. Right. They're not doing preventative police work, uh, you know, or even a lot of them are, aren't doing uh, actual engagement with the perpetrators for fear of getting involved in a uh, situation that could cost them their jobs, their livelihood, and get them caught. Now, a lot of these uh, cops, police departments are taking away the protection that police officers have from being right. personally sued. Yeah. yeah. So that's one aspect of it. Don't have time to get into the judicial system part of it. We can do that after the timeout. We'll be back in five minutes. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.